Welcome to the Upbeat Podcast, powered by CoChart, a show that's dedicated to providing resources for families impacted by childhood chronic illness. For articles, videos, and show notes, visit our platform at theupbeat.cochart.org. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Upbeat Podcast, uh, powered by CoChart, a nonprofit that does free arts and athletics for any child impacted by any chronic illness, currently in L.A., the Bay Area, and San Diego. I am Greg, the executive director and co-host. And I'm Roxanne. I'm the marketing director of CoChart, and I'm also a parent of a child with cancer. And today, uh, we continue this month's observance of Pediatric Cancer Month. Uh, We're speaking with a mom named Dina from Northern California, whose daughter was diagnosed with leukemia at age 10 in 2014. Uh, Dina is a psychotherapist, and her experience with parenting a child with cancer led her to shift her focus of her psychotherapy practice to serve parents of children with cancer and other illnesses. Uh, She also sees adults who have been diagnosed with cancer or have spouses uh, or parents with cancer or other issues. Uh, So, of course, we are so thrilled to be talking to her. It's right in line with what we're doing at The Upbeat. So, Dina, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really glad to be able to be a part of this. So, Dina, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, your perspective of Nomi's diagnosis. Um, I understand that there was uh, something uh, that turned to be a misdiagnosis. Can you explain a little bit of what happened there? Sure. So, it was January 2014, just after New Year's, and Nomi was very sick, and we took her to the hospital for a same-day checkup, same-day appointment, and we were then sent immediately to the emergency room um, where they did more blood work and came to us and told us that she had leukemia. Um, took a couple of more days and tests to determine that it was um, ALLPH positive. Um, and the pH positive is the bad kind of ALL, as we were told. Um, so the treatment went according to the plan. Uh, um, but then eight months in, the chemo wasn't working as they hoped. The pH positive wasn't going away. So they had to rethink uh, what her diagnosis might be. And it was a very complicated presentation, um, but it turned out to actually be CML, chronic myeloid leukemia, instead of ALL. So um, that came as a shock uh, eight months in with a lot of setbacks to learn that she was misdiagnosed and needed a different treatment approach. And how did your experience going through that sort of inform the work that you now do when you talk to parents who are going through similar situations? How did it lead to that shift and and how does it inform your work today? Having a child with cancer is such a traumatic experience. During the whole course of her treatment, I ended up uh, stopping work. Um, There was no way I could work as a therapist and be present for my patients and be present for my daughter. And I had to prioritize my daughter. And fortunately, I was in a position where I could do that. I didn't have to keep working during this crisis time. Um, But as she 
got better, I knew that I wanted to make use of my experience to help others and give back. I got so much support from our community um, that I just really wanted to help other people through it. Um, That's amazing. And speaking of that sort of turning point, I understand you have a date that's tattooed on your arm that sort of represents that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So what the, the new treatment, once it, once the diagnosis was the correct diagnosis was confirmed, it was determined that Naomi needed a bone marrow transplant. Um, and our other daughter, Maya, Naomi's older sister was a perfect match. So, um, she got to save her sister's life. There was a day, a night that all four of us were in the hospital um, at UCSF, my husband and myself and our two daughters in preparation for the bone marrow transplant. And um, that was what saved her life. So it wow. was really um, significant. It was, you know, it's a huge turning point. So Naomi isn't just in remission. She is cured. A bone marrow transplant cures her of cancer so that she now has the same risk of cancer in the future as anybody else in the population. That's amazing. Um, That's fantastic. It, it really is. And we opted not to have any radi- any excessive radiation. There are different ways that they, that the doctors prepare someone for a bone marrow transplant. And one way is just chemotherapy and the other way is chemotherapy and radiation. And we opted for just the chemotherapy because we knew that the radiation leads to higher instances of secondary cancers and we didn't want that. So um, we're hoping that that was uh, a good decision for Nomi. Um, Anyway, so the date, the tattoo uh, that I have is the date of the bone marrow transplant along with flowers to represent both girls for their birth months. So I have a rose for Maya and I have a daisy and sweet pea for Nomi. Oh, wow. And I have a, and I have a Jewish star because my faith also helped me through. That's beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what Maya was going through as Nomi was receiving treatments? So Nomi was 10 when she was diagnosed and Maya was 12. So she was also a little girl. Um, and as you know, my husband and I just didn't have the emotional bandwidth to really give Maya what she needed. We did the best we could. Uh, we had a big community that stepped up and helped, but we weren't there for her in the ways that she needed. Um, so that was very difficult for her. Um, the bone marrow transplant, Maya was really scared. She was scared to have her blood drawn. She didn't understand what it meant. Um, she didn't know what was going to happen to her. But she also knew that although we said she had a choice and we meant it, I think she felt like she didn't have a choice. She was the person who was going to save her sister's life. Were there any resources or um, support groups available to Maya to to help her through this time? I think that what helped Maya the most at that time was Camp Okaizu. Um, it's an amazing organization that provides 
camp for free for uh, kids with cancer and their siblings. And they also have a family camp. Um, so for anyone that's 18 or under that they get to go. And uh, that's been a really special experience where Maya got to meet other kids going through the same thing who really understood. And some of her best friends are from Camp Okaizu. And now that she's uh, over 18, she is now a counselor. She goes as a volunteer counselor in the summers. Very cool. And what do you think the uh, impact of, of going to the camp was? She gets to be with, like I said, other kids who understand, and she gets to be a kid in a, in a place to process her experience. Yeah, that's it's really important. Um, and as we know, the cancer treatment is traumatic for the whole family. In your psychotherapy practice, you often focus on post-traumatic growth. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I would say post So I think most people have heard of post-traumatic stress. And that's sort of the negative side of going through a trauma. Uh, and the, the hope is that we get to post-traumatic growth, which is that we process the trauma and are actually better for it. So even though I would not wish cancer on anybody, and of course there's a part of me that wishes we never went through it, there is another part of me that's glad for having gone through it and being where we are today. Um, it's metabolizing, processing the trauma and growing from it to be more whole and healthier than we were before. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I always say working with coach art students that I'm always amazed at the depth of their thoughtfulness and resiliency. And it's hard not to think that it is directly caused by sort of a silver lining of going through uh, such a tough experience, and and it sounds like that is exactly that post traumatic growth. Um, can you talk about for your family what sort of specifics were able to to kind of build that post traumatic growth, and what what you would recommend for other folks to to look into or pursue? Um, well, support certainly. Um, our family. I think that going through it together, we were able to be very cohesive and supportive of one another um, and having a strong community around us that really coalesced um, and helped us through the traumatic period. Um, you know, of course, therapy, right? I'm a therapist, so I'm biased. I think therapy is great for everybody all the time, but especially at times of uh, such stress. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about particularly parents, but kids as well, um, a lot of times we just want to put the bad times behind us and not think about it, but that actually doesn't serve us. It's like a wound that festers under the skin and we have to open it up and clean it out to really be healthy. And so therapy having a place to talk about the emotions and feelings, behaviors, thoughts that come up and really process it um, is transformative. And did you have any communication tips, approaches within your family um, aside from, from, you know, seeking it from therapeutically out, outside of your family? Was there anything that 
kept you all uh, the the most mentally and emotionally healthy, you know, sort of intra communication in your family? I think it's just how we are as a family, just really trying to be supportive of one another's experiences and emotions and creating space for that. Um, you know, sometimes it's anger and falling apart and um, crying and being needy and being, as I said, angry um, and accepting that rather than having to keep it together or act like everything's okay when it really isn't. Um, spending time together, going out as a family rather than isolating or pulling apart with in each person's own individual pain. Um, you know, during the treatment, I think it's very difficult for the kids and a lot of times the parents, they're not prioritizing their own mental health. They're so focused on their child. Um, and then once the child is through treatment, hopefully, um, a lot of times parents just want to move on and put it behind them. But I think it's really important for parents to come to therapy themselves um, throughout the treatment because then they get the support and they can be more available for their child. Um, I personally kept a blog throughout Nomi's illness, and that was crucial for me, um, both to process my experience and to inform our community of what was going on because people want to know, but it doesn't mean I want to talk to everybody but it was a good way to share the experience. What are some of your tips for outside of the family unit communicating with, with the rest of the community who's very interested and wants to help and uh, sometimes doesn't know how? There's so many online platforms. They have schedules where if you need help with something, people can check in and you know say, okay, I'm going to bring a meal on Monday or whatever it is, a ride to the doctors, or for instance, we needed people to come and be with Maya when my husband and I were at the hospital, um, you know, so people could sign up for that. Um, so that was really effective. And I think in terms of for parents specifically, it's really okay to say what you need, including what you don't need. It's okay to say no, it's okay, it's important to set limits. The one thing that I would add is that recovery is an ongoing process, right? It's not something that you just arrive at. So Nomi had her BMT and was on the road to recovery. And then she was able to go back to school and that was another step in the process. And then she stopped her chemo and that was another step in the process. And so while there are these physical markers of recovery, there are also corresponding psychological markers of recovery that may be more subtle because it's more internal. It's, I think it's easier to understand when it's behavioral. For instance, when my kids started arguing again, that was both annoying and <laughs> such a joy. Interesting. <laughs> because that's what, normal, that's what normal healthy kids, that's what normal healthy siblings do. They argue. Right. So when my kids were fighting, I was thrilled. And annoyed. Another part of the ongoing recovery process for me has been forgetting all of the medical terminology. I used to be, you know, I, I had the, the fast learning process 
that all parents go through of learning about the terminology and the treatment and protocols. And now I don't remember all of that vernacular. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's part of the recovery process. And that lines up so much with what we're hoping to accomplish with the Upbeat, where we heard from so many parents that you've got these great support groups, but they're so often focused on the immediate aftermath of a diagnosis when families are most in that sort of turmoil and looking for medical answers, et cetera. And that, like you said, that it's a long journey and that there are things that come up two years down the road and going back to school, et cetera, that might not necessarily be topics that are regularly being discussed in in the existing support groups. And so that's very much what we've been trying to have a place for those conversations here at The Upbeat with the ongoing social and emotional journey that families are on that, that is, as you said, you know, ongoing. Yeah. And I, I think also that people, it may be that families, some families feel like, well, things are mostly okay. Like we're back in school, everything is on track. So they minimize their emotions and they don't really pay attention to the grief. Once you're out of the crisis, there's, there's still grief to process. Maybe in retrospect, the grief of what we went through, the grief of what was lost, the grief of how our lives are changed, not just in good ways, but they're bad ways. There is the um, late effects of chemo. Uh, yes, we're thrilled that our child is alive and healthy, but there are still these other effects. Um, so how do we hold both of those simultaneously? And I think that's something that therapy offers. And thank you so much for the work that you do and just working with the families that we do all the time. I, I We know how valuable that is and, and what a huge impact you must be having on so many families. I feel so called to the work and blessed to be able to do it. I don't necessarily disclose to my patients that I am also a mom of a cancer survivor because it's really, it's about their process and I don't want them to be comparing themselves to me. They may not have as positive an outcome or my experience might have been for whatever reasons more traumatic and it's not necessarily helpful for them to know that because then they limit what they say. But I believe that just by my having gone through it, I hold their experience in a compassionate way that gets felt, even if it's not named. Do you have any um, place online that folks who might be interested can find out more information um, about the work that you do? Yeah, I have a website and it's dinasolren.com. Fantastic. And we'll be sure to include a link to that in the description as well. One other, I had another, one other thought, which is just that, um, you know, a lot of times it may be years later after post-treatment. Say there's a show on TV and all of a sudden you're crying. It seems to come up out of the blue. And so you think you're beyond it, but it's still there. We move forward. It's part of the recovery, but we're ne- we may never be completely over it. And the whole idea that post- post-traumatic growth can actually result in more resiliency, more strength. I think it's both... Um, you know, something that makes a lot of sense, but is also just such an optimistic thought that when you're going through something so difficult, that that might be uh, part of the, you know, the the end of the of the road ahead. 
Um, and so we're just so grateful for you to have joined us this month for Pediatric Cancer Month and for this conversation and the whole idea that recovery is a process. Uh, it's uh, so enlightening to think about it that way and think what might be at the end of that process. So thank you so much for your time today and for your wisdom and, and expertise um, and sharing it with all of the families who are listening. Well, you're very welcome. I'm glad to be able to have this conversation with you. You can find more content like this at theupbeat.coachart.org, where we have blog posts, podcasts, and YouTube clips, as well as a Facebook group that you can join and share your own helpful advice with other families who are dealing with social and emotional questions about kids going through chronic illness. So we hope to see you there. Thanks so much. Thank you. 